we're going to be taking through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> what this is, is a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The idea is that you don't wait for permission, you just start. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Hello, Aaron. How you doing, mate? You okay? I'm very good. Welcome, everyone, to episode nine now episode of DIY nine. Cinema Cult. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Absolutely, um, we're here. Number nine. It's amazing, and we do realise we realise that we have got more episodes recorded in isolation than yeah. outside of isolation. Whatever the opposite mm. of isolation is, what's the opposite of isolation? I can't remember anymore. It seems like such a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> we used to be able to walk outside and touch people. Well, yeah. you were, actually weren't allowed to do that. That was a bit illegal as well. Yeah, that was, that was always illegal, mate. We've had fun, two fantastic guests over the past uh, few weeks. So far, they've been kind of on the writer, director, producer sort of tip. But uh, we've got a, a guest today from on the other side of the camera. Absolutely, we've got uh, we've got Luca Zazari, who is uh, an actor who is. Uh, working very hard on many, many sets in, in TV and film. And he's got some fascinating uh, stories to tell, no doubt. He's worked with some amazing people. She'll be coming on very soon. Uh, we are waiting with bated breath for our guest I mean, to arrive. It, in the meantime, I mean, I had an interesting thing happen on the um, film front today. I, I was yeah. chatting to somebody earlier on. Um, and uh, they were sort of talking about my documentary. I was talking to them and they were sort of saying, well, are you approaching sales agents? Mm. And uh, sales agents in a way are one of those kind of weird bits of the industry that um, I don't really know what they do. Um, mm. But as we are DIY filmmaking, we've got to start to kind of understand the industry from all different angles. And it just struck me as, well, how hard can it be? You know, because let's just figure out what these people do and how they can help. And basically, a sales agent is a kind of an in-between person. What they do is they take projects to the big distributed broadcasters, etc. Um, but what they do is they add credence to your project. So it may be that yeah. they they sign you sign on with a specific sales agent, and they take that project, and then they get to flog it because they get meetings that you don't. And actually, it turns out a lot of the time that. Um, the big broadcasters, the the um, big distributors, they don't really want a director or a producer sat in their office. They want no, a no, sales no. agent. So as much as we think, well, we're independent filmmakers, we can just turn up and speak to anybody. Actually, the process, sadly, perhaps, is a very strict and somewhat kind of closed um, closed scene in that they actually want people who have got professional accreditation, etc. To be the people that present film ideas absolutely first. absolutely so, so i've been contacting uh, sales agents today and i've had a couple of interesting conversations straight away people are going oh okay yeah that sounds cool and 
giving me feedback and telling me what they're looking for. Absolutely. Well, it was Hadi, wasn't it, who said, don't do anything, don't make any moves when it comes to distribution without a sales agent. Because if, yeah. you're, if, you're, just a, if you're just approaching distributors you, uh, yourself as an entity, you're going to just be kind of you know toyed with really because they won't take you seriously so they, yeah they don't take you definitely seriously. uh I, it's just because that's just part i that's just the process i guess it you know that's it's at that stage of the production line the people dealing with the meat and potatoes are the sales agents and the distributors and the filmmakers are kind of not privy or or, or not in any kind of position of control you are listening to the debut feature film this is DIY Cinema Cult. Hey, Luca, how's it going? I'm good. <laughs> good to see you, man. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so what's what's happening in lockdown? Yeah, yeah, not not really much happening in terms of uh, work-wise, other than trying to be creative. Uh, you know, by yourself with all the means yeah. that you have. But uh, and Juman and I, I don't know if you knew, but we have a um, self tape service for uh, yes for actors and. So you can keep that part of the business still going, then. You yeah, yeah. I mean, relatively low. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do do you want that? So, so this is this is UB self tapes, right? Is yeah. that the name? That's yeah. the name of the company. That's UB self tapes. What, yeah. Yeah, and and what's the? Is there a website that that actors could go to? Uh, yeah, uh, it is ubiselftapes.com. Actually, this kind of might lead us onto something I want to talk about later on, which is yeah. actors diversifying into either writing their own material or you yourself, like you're starting up a self-tape, like an audition, like a casting, yeah, yeah an, an auditioning company. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we try to be as creative and diverse as we can. Got lots we want to chat to you about. The people who, who listen to this podcast will be fascinated to know about some of the sets you've been on and the, some amazing people you've worked with. But I want to just take it uh, back to the very start just to introduce people to where we met. So we met on literally in a casting session. Yeah, you were, you were casting your, uh, well, I presume one of your first or early uh, short films. Prof yeah. Professional, I should yeah. say, professional short films. Oh, professional <laughs> film, that sounds nice, doesn't it, Mark? That sounds great. I feel good now, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no guys. problem. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, I think it was 2009, I think it was. Something oh, like that. Alexa Alexandra Palace. It was, Alexandra Palace, yeah. It was yeah. pouring down with rain. It was, my who is my wife now, Juman? She was like, are you really going to go to that short film audition today? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you had it, man. Know, we would never have known each other. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it's Saturday. Well, what, have, what else have I got to do? It's crap outside. We're not going out. We're not staying in. The character that I was reading for was this cyclist who cycled all the way from <laughs> Italy to, to London. And I would stop over for an espresso in this bar in this short film. Like I was thinking, you mind, you know, what, what do cyclists wear? So I had one of those zip jackets with an Italian uh, flag on it. And oh, I, I, I think I had, I had. Um, you had a tire, tire around yeah, you, which, yeah, I, I which had, I was kind of dazzled by. I, I had a tire with yeah, me, a, a wheel. So actually, well, yeah, you, had a you had a bicycle's tire around <laughs> you, and it was just you, you. kind of came in, and it was. I've got to say, it was a whirlwind of a of a casting session. I don't think I've ever experienced one quite like it. You kind of just came firing into the room like, like a greyhound. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it was it was hilarious. I thought, well, there was actually there's no option, was there? It's like you're in the film straight away. That was like, <laughs> oh. well, I, I mean, I've just posted uh, recently, Luca, on the um, on our web on our Facebook page uh, a copy of We Are What We Drink because oh, I was chatting about it in another episode. So <laughs> you know, if people want to watch We Are What We Drink, Luca is the kind of crazed Italian espresso uh, guy, espresso I, man. In I the, don't in the film. think anyone's gonna kind of mistake who Luca is in that film. In this. <laughs> no, no, no. People, people aren't gonna people aren't gonna miss Luca in that film. But how important is it for actors, particularly if you've just come out of drama college or the like, to kind of do? Uh, short films or small low budget DIY type films like you mentioned kind of getting a show reel together how, how important was it how much did you do that kind of thing uh, for me it was very important and I think it still is considered important for any actors to uh, I mean if you don't go and audition for people who are willing to put out there some decent form of work i.e. a short mm. professional short film uh, to you know make your own and and from then on, you know, create some kind of footage for what it would be your showreel. And for an actor, showreel is his or hers calling card, you know. It's uh, your passport. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm not saying that, you know, 10 out of 10 casting directors will, will watch your showreel. They probably will. But I'm, I'm, mm. I'm 100% sure that not every producer and director will watch your short film, but somebody mm. along the line within the casting process will look at your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's I very mean, important, vital, I think. Vital. Yeah. And I mean, how how are you kind of coping in the kind of, in the the lockdown? Because there's no productions happening at the moment. Yeah. Right? So I mean, my, how, my, how... my agent told me that, um, you know, there's going to be a backlog of productions uh, as a result of the lockdown. Therefore, being a backlog, a lot of productions will never happen who were supposed to or scheduled to begin, you know, probably September. Between June and September is always a good, you know, those are the very busy dates for for shooting. Also, a lot of the pilot seasons projects will be uh, drawn out. And so Mm. it, it, it is a shame that, you know, that unfortunately a lot of people got laid off work as a result of that. I'm not mm. just talking about actors, but, you know, crew members and, you know, producers, production companies. It's, it's, it's a disaster for the industry, I think, but not the on, uh, it's, it's not the only industry that is suffering. What got you into acting, Luca? And, and, and what actors inspired you really early on? Uh, well, I was I was really young. I think I was around eight or nine, and it was this porn actor. His name was Rocco Sifredi. <laughs> <laughs> it's an I didn't expect for that me. answer. No, it wasn't porn. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was. Um, I, I was I was young, and I was. I remember I was watching. My dad was very much into. Uh, westerns and uh police you know um kind of films at, at the time yeah. or or the spaghetti westerns so I, I i was always subjected to watch a lot of i would say good films predominantly mm-hmm. american um, mm-hmm. even the spaghetti western had a, they were really americanized you know it was almost like yeah. sergio leone's or sergio corbucci's stump mm-hmm. on their their point of view about America and what American meant to them, you know, yeah. but 
what inspired me, um, I, obviously I was drawn into the, the, the fictional worlds that these people were creating. I, I mean, one of my favorite films, before I go further explaining how I got mm. into it, one of my favorite films was Once Upon a Time in the West and The Good and Bad and the Ugly. Yeah, amazing. Mm. And But Once Upon a Time in the West was one of my favorite films because you had Henry Fonda, who was normally seen as, you know, a kind of fresh face. Good, good American guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Sergio Leone really wanted to portray him for what I think he knew what kind of real man he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or really was, or thought he really was. And so he decided, how about this role? You know, you play a really nasty piece of work and, mm, and you yeah. just really get to be colorful. Because I suppose Henry Fonda must have felt like, I don't want to always play the good. Um, and I always wanted to ask about your your particular. You you've studied a particular sort of strand of of acting, the sort of Meisner. So yeah. you talk about uh, that uh, process and how it differs, I suppose, from other kind of acting training. Well, like I, I was about to say, I I was about eight to ten years old, and I remember I was saying to my mum, you know, I really want to go into some kind of musical theatre school. And, and I remember at the time was I watched. A film with Marlon Brando, which was uh, on the waterfront, and, yeah, right. and obviously I was really drawn into uh, what he was doing. I didn't think it was different than Once Upon a Time in the West and all the mm. in Eastwood's films. I didn't make anything of it, and then moving forward, a few years later, I moved to London and I was working as a, a cabin crew for uh, British Airways. And I came back home one day. I was exhausted. I was tired. Uh, after a three days trip, I think it was. I don't remember where it was, but I think it was one of those wow. night stops. You used to work you hard back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I came back and I, there was a uh, um, raging bull on, on on the telly. I just I just saw De Niro doing an impersonation of Marlon Brando from On the Waterfront. Ah, uh, he does, of course, yeah, mm. in the dressing room, yeah. And I just thought, if this is not a calling card for me right now, I don't know what that is. Because I was, yeah. at, that, at that point, when I was working, I was just like, at the end of my tether, and I just mm -hmm. want to, I wanted a change. I didn't feel like, you know, I was fulfilled. I remember I Googled online, and I saw this teacher called uh, David Bennett, and he was teaching at the um, Diorama Arts Center. And so I went along and, and I didn't meet David. I bumped into another teacher called Sam Rambler, who happened to teach at the same time as David in the other side. Oh, okay. And he mm. was teaching his, um, his um, uh, take on what is considered to be a method acting approach to, to acting, as I found out. Uh, okay Be yeah because because doesn't isn't meisner was uh, himself a student of stanislavski is that well, right you know, he broke away with his own meisner meisner Ooh. was uh, sandy meisner like lee strasberg who's the lee founder strasberg. Ah, strasberg, the founder yeah. of method acting as well as yeah. stella adler who was the teacher of marlon brando yes uh and then a few other teachers who came out of the group theater uh, you yeah. had Harold Kerman, who was the main artistic director, and then you had Elia Kazan, who was one of the actors in in the group. The, the, these people were all collaborating together and creating some kind of a vibrant, dynamic theatre. After they were themselves inspired by the the work of Stanislavski, when at the time was traveling from Moscow to the U.S. and you know put on his show. I think it was uh, a 
Othello or one of one of those plays from Shakespeare, and they were all taken by his performances and and the performance that he directed and also starred in it. And so they decided to create their own their own group, call it the Group Theatre. It's amazing to think of the kind of genesis of what we now think of as modern acting, flourishing with people like you say, Marlon Brando, yeah. and, then, and then on to De Niro. Uh, it's funny to think that they, they, that genesis happened back then and all these people were kind of together, studying yeah. together and kind of inventing mm. together. I, I agree, I agree. And, and, and then what happened when the depression finished and of course, you know, the group theatre was kind of getting um, more of a, was becoming more of a brand supposed to just an art, way of or artistic way of making plays things were weren't as pure so to speak and not as artistic mm. so you're starting to see the egos of you know Strasbourg and Sanford Meisner and Stella Adler and I'm not saying it was a bad thing I'm just saying you know yeah they, they would start just like any music band you know any groups you know like you get to a, a point in your career where other you're going to stay together or you're going to split. So the direction that, that Sanford Meisner went in yeah. and that, that the, kind of, the kind of school that you kind of came through, yeah. what kind of, technically, what kind of things go on there? I mean, he's, he's kind of quite into breaking things down. Yeah, well, Sanford, mm. Sanford Meisner, like Lee Strasberg, I mean, you have to understand that the, all these teachers came from the same stock. So yeah. they might have a different approach to the final result, but... In reality, the means are exactly the same. So for, for the right. same, and, and they all want the same thing. They want the truth to be told. Yeah. And the truth in acting terms and point of view will be the truth of the character as opposed to your own personal truth. And so, mm -hmm. so Sam von Meisner had a different way of getting to the truth as opposed to Liz Strasberg or, or Stella Adler. And so I ended up studying... Uh, the Lee's approach first through Sam for five years. And then after that, I felt like I didn't want to be a fanatic, obsessed with one particular mm. technique. So I was curious by this group called the Actors Temple. The uh, Actors Temple was led particularly by this man, uh, Tom Ratcliffe, who mm. was a student of Sammy Meisner during the 80s. Right. So he was traveling back and forth from the UK to the US. And so he was a professional actor as well. He also was a director, a film director. So he, he you know, he, at first then he knew what the technique really was. So he could actually yeah. say, I study Meisner. Talk about techniques that you mentioned repetition there. Like yeah. a, a, there's a big part of Meisner, which is this idea of repeating words or phrases. Yeah, and the repetition. Like, it's, quite, it's quite deeply psychological, isn't it? So you kind of break it down so that it, the words that you're saying lose their meaning but in in that you find some truth is that right yes 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 so basically it depends on what level you start in right in the process um you know you if, if you've never done repetition before it's a very daunting frightening moment when you're just mm. put on the spot in front of another person and there's a whole class watching you and you're just including the teacher and you're just there and you feel completely naked although you know like as an analogy, you, you just feel so vulnerable and so open to the elements. And, yeah. and the whole point about the repetition is that you are there and you cannot lie. In other words, so let's say you and I are standing in front of each other and then only until we have a genuine impulse to say something 
will say something to the other person, but it has to okay. come from a genuine impulse because otherwise you're lying. You know, that's the whole point. Right. So you can just as well stay there in front of each other for 20 minutes, if so. Um, wow. But obviously, you're not going to get to that far. You know, but you'll probably <laughs> one of one of the two have an impulse to say something. You know, even if it's just a smile. So the, the impulse yeah. has to come from a, a behavior, a movement. So in other words, if you and I are standing in front of each other, and let's say we've been standing in front of each other for the last 20 seconds, yeah. and none of us are blinking or none of us are moving, but I see a little twitch in the corner of your eyes, I can say, you're nervous. And right, then, then you okay. have to repeat, I'm nervous. And then you're nervous, mm -hmm. I'm nervous. But it can also be that I say that, but you don't feel that you're nervous, but you can't, you, you have to repeat what the other person is saying because that's what they're seeing. You have to respect that that's what they're seeing. Even okay. though you don't think you are nervous, you cannot go back. So you have to go forward and say, I'm nervous. But the way you say it is you can yeah. say it with an intention that you say, I'm not nervous. Right. You know? So you can question, you put the yeah, question you, in the answer. Exactly. The, exactly. And, so, and, and, and the, yeah. the point of the repetition is there. So you break a barrier where you become less self-aware. So you're no right. longer yeah. thinking about the people that are looking at you. The teacher is going to critique you or, you know, it's just, it's just, you are present with the mm. other person in that moment. And if at any given point during the repetition, I'm start thinking about, I don't know, my wife hasn't cooked me dinner that I am starving mm. or my kids I forgot to take my children to, that you're not present. And the other yeah. person will definitely see that you're not present. And maybe the teacher, if he's skilled enough, will say, what's going on? We'll stop the yeah. So it's kind of exercises to help you break down yourself as an actor in order to build a character, a believable character, I guess. Yes. So the actor's not getting in the way, I suppose, of what mm. you're- Exactly. The, the actor should never get in the way of the characters because otherwise right. you end up putting on a, a manifestation or, or you end up mimicking as opposed to living. It's fantastic, fantastically. Um, it kind of fits beautifully with our, um, our uh, brand of uh, we're the DIY cinema cult. It's something almost like you hear the kind of cults go through as in, you know, cult members go through some serious yeah. deprogramming and reprogramming, right? As in, I mean, you could see it from the outside and think, wow, this is heavy stuff for people to go through. Sounds like quite a daunting uh, experience to go through. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I, like, it, you say, it, like you say, it, Luke, it on your first day, I would be terrified. Because I, was, it's kind of, I was. It's kind of exposing, right? <laughs> yes. You're just putting your, you're out, and, and, and not even exposed. At first, you wouldn't be exposing, and someone yeah. would say, you're not exposing yourself enough. You yeah, need to exactly. break this down, right? And show it's not it. often you get asked uh, to expose yourself. Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> I remember exactly. Yes. <laughs> I have seen people in the class doing other exercises where they were willing to undress themselves, literally, and coming into oh. the room completely naked. But that would only happen if it's 100% necessary in order to yeah. break one of your barrier. I didn't personally come out on stage naked ever. <laughs> but I have, still time. I have seen, and it always ended up being the man. this podcast. It always ended up being the man and never the women. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of penises in my career as a student. <laughs> So, Luca, going back to your career, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, probably your first taste of like a large Hollywood set would have been your part in Rush, yes. that Ron Howard movie. Yeah. So, how, was that a cut? Was that that must be some kind of culture shock suddenly being involved <laughs> in a movie of that scale? Tell us about that. It, it was, it, I mean, I remember going to the audition with Nina Gold, and it was my first time that I actually met Nina Gold. Nina Gold, by the way, is one of the biggest casting agents in the world, right? So, yeah. if you're kind of if you're being cast by Nina Gold, you're kind of you're it's party time already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I went into the room and I was lucky enough to meet um, her first chief in command, which was Robert Stern at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, it, Robert, it was an important figure in my career because I ended up seeing Robert on many other casting as a result of that afterwards, because I was finally cast in this very tiny role. <laughs> Perfect. in this huge Hollywood film, which was Rush, starring uh, Chris Hemsworth and Daniel Brühl, mm. <clears throat> as well as uh, Olivia Wilde and <clears throat> Alexander Maria Lara, playing respectively the, the wives of um, James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. Yeah. And so I went, I went in, I was reading for a different role, which was going to be one of the mechanics... And it would have been a nice character to play, which in the end went on to uh, be played by Vincent Riotta. So I was a bit disappointed. But then they called my agent oh, and they mate, said... The role, the role you I know, did I know. Great, <laughs> I mean, and then, and then, and then, then my agent called me and they said, but guess what? They didn't, they didn't want to see you for that, but they, they liked your take on the role and they want, to, they want to consider you for another role. So they'd like to know whether you'll be interested in it. I said, like, yeah, sure, man. of course, it's Ron Howard. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I'm busy, Ron. Busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah. doing a short film with Mark Hardman. No disrespect. <laughs> 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 so I, so I, uh, I, I, I went. A week later, I got a news from my agent to say, oh, you know, Ron Howard, you have a meeting with Ron Howard and Nina Gold. Amazing. So, so I'm like, really? Yeah, that's fantastic. Just do exactly what you were doing. That's what they always tell you. Every agent, just keep yeah, doing what yeah, you were yeah. doing. You were perfect. Just do it again. Just do yeah. because, because I love the scene in that movie that you were in. Because I remember when uh, when I saw it finally on the big screen, I was I was kind of I was kind of cheering in the audience. But when you told me before, I think well after you shot it, you were like. Mark, you know, I, I can't be too excited because my scene might get cut yeah. the way these yeah. work. You you go out and you shoot for a week and then you find out you're cut. Yeah. And I was and I said to you, didn't I? I was like, so describe your scene. And you go, well, it's the scene when Nicky Lauda, uh, you know, he meets his girl, his, his girlfriend for the, the love interest for the first time. <laughs> and then and they, they pick up you, your guy, you, you, you and another guy broken down in your car, right? No, they broke down. And so we... Oh, they, they broke down. And we come by. Yeah, yeah. And, and That's right. You pick them up. And then, but she doesn't know that he's a race yeah, car driver. Exactly. So he, he gets to show it off in your car. And I was like, mate, that's the scene where he meets the girl. You're not going to yeah. get cut. You're going to be yeah. in the movie. It's I think it's the good. funniest moment in the film as it's well. Lovely. It's a lovely one scene. One of those moments where, when I saw it, when it was an audience, 
everybody in the audience laughed. And I thought, that's the only and first and last time yeah. that you had a proper laugh in that movie. It's, it's a lovely right. moment of like, and I guess it's still in there story, story-wise because, yes, it's to do with his relationship with the girl, but it also shows the depth of their fame yeah. at that point. Yeah. Then yeah. They're yeah. bigger than, than anybody that you could imagine. And people on the roadsides kind of that you pick up will know who they are. And I remember at the time we were filming in Stuttgart, and in, you know, in this place that looked like Italy, beautiful. And yeah. I remember all the Germans where we were filming. It was just a small town, but literally the the the, the roads were like paved with people, like all fans of Daniel Bruyer. Like, what the fuck? And there were like something like 150 crew members. You know, like all these big trucks and lights and what have you. All, thinking mm. fucking hell i thought it was going to be in the sim i didn't think it was going to be that huge you know mm. but and I, it was my first time i was in a big blockbuster i mean that was a blockbuster and i didn't it, the level of the level of i wouldn't say professionalism because that's not the right word but the level of uh, maybe commitment from the production companies is way way above the line yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just what are you saying about a Mark Hardman production? Like, oh, come on, I, I would do Mark Hardman any times, man. Hey, <laughs> you must have been on quite. I mean, it was a big car scene, wasn't it? So it was it like a big rig, and was was where's Ron Howard? Is he sat on a rig? No, uh, Ron Howard is very is very hands on as a director. Right. Doesn't tell you what to do to the T, um, but he gives you. Um, a sense of what he wants. For instance, I have to say, I felt extremely comfortable. I was not, I mean, I was nervous. I was very nervous, but I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was misplaced or out of place. So I think that yeah. it was down to my training as well, you know? Because yeah. I've been. Come on, you steal the scene. You know, you steal <laughs> it massively. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But I felt, I felt really, I felt in, in my, I just felt like I could, I could try things, you know. But the way yeah, he yeah. was communicating what he wanted, the results that he wanted. And, and also, Rafaela was very giving as a, as a scene partner, too, you know. So yeah. We, yeah. we had some kind of a bantam going on, the two of us. Mm. Uh, it was a good chemistry between the two of us. And we became friends as a result. Um, so I felt like I could try things. And so I remember Ron Howard, the way he explained it to us, you are two football fans who just won the Italian Cup. So we kept on doing that, back and forth, back and forth. But I just didn't, because I'm not a huge football fan. you know. But, <laughs> but then he said, okay, how about you are two kids in a candy store and you can have whatever you want. <laughs> anything you want and i said anything we want anything you want boom that was it <laughs> that's great that was it that was just like okay well see if you can have anything you want i can do whatever i want and i will do exactly that i'll do whatever i want he's my he's my biggest candy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't believe it you are listening to got to talk a little bit about Peaky Blinders because I mean I'm a massive fan of the series um, and uh, I'm sure many people are I think it's kind of amazing for a series set in kind of uh, you know pre-second world war Birmingham 
to have got such a kind of international fan base. Yeah. So to, I think, and your part in it is great. It's it's perfect for you. Thank you. You're this sort of understated kind of gangster character. So talk a little bit about getting Peaky Blinders and what it was like to work on the series. Again, it was Shaheen Beg's casting. I remember my agent said to me, just give me your best. And I'm like, as an actor, when you hear that, you're just like, whatever the fuck it means. I mean, I mean, come on. As if you never give your best. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, okay, I'm going to brush that off. And then I said, what is it? It's Peaky Blinders, mate. Never watched the series oh. at that point. So I'm like, okay, Peaky Blinders. Right, no problem. Just give me, send me the script. I say, yes, no problem. Just send it through. And then I start, I'm starting to reading it. And I'm starting to liking it a lot. I'm thinking, fuck. Yeah. And then I was thinking, I wonder if I could play Luca Changretta. <laughs> if, I, if I'm that good, maybe I could get my agent to bargain for, for me to play the lead as opposed to. Yeah. And then my oh, agent was, was like, "That was is that Adrian Brody's yeah. character? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, mate, even if you do 100%, I don't think I'm going to give you Luca Changretta. Like, <laughs> yeah. let, let's see what happens. Just get the role first. Yeah. I was hooked in a first after the first three episodes, I was hooked. And so I watched it and then, and then I understood where they were going to go from the second to the third hmm. and then eventually to the fourth. And so I, yeah. I did my audition. I said to my wife who was filming it, uh, we didn't have all the paraphernalia that we have now to do self oh, was it Was it a self, was it a self tape? Yeah, it was a self tape ah, with, okay. with my wow. iPhone 4S and lots of books <laughs> and a very guerrilla, guerrilla uh, style um, tripod. It was, it was, it was really that bad. And then my wife, you always have to delete the deleted, you know, <laughs> during <laughs> film, you have to delete the deleted because it wasn't enough storage in the memory of the telephone. I was like, oh, it was just a nightmare. So I was trying oh. to do my best. Did you have a bicycle tire around you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was on the side of me. <laughs> uh, it's so, my lucky tire. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I was, uh, you know, okay, I've got Juman, my wife, I've got this 4S, what's missing and straight away I went to my wardrobe and there was a, a, a jacket from a, a designer that had a very old-fashioned lapel mm -hmm. and I figured I'm gonna wear that and I remember after I did it I just felt so positive I felt like a buzz yeah and I remember mm -hmm. sending it to you Mark I've sent it to another friend yeah. of mine Michele who's another filmmaker and then to my father-in-law who's uh uh, um, an investigative journalist. He, he met a lot of mafia gangsters, predominantly wow. in Britain, but yeah. also in the US. So he knew whether he, you know, he, he, he would be able to tell me if I was fishing for some kind of cliche as opposed to yeah. a real, a sense of realism, you know. And all the, all the, including yourself, all the feedback were all positive, And I'm thinking, I'm going to get this. I really think I'm going to get this. I honestly thought I'm going to yeah. get this. If I'm not going to get this character, I'm going to get another one. Uh, a week mm. before shooting, they said, you got the role. They want to offer you Mateo. Do you want it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm busy. Yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, who's playing Luca Cengretta? Still didn't know who plays Luca Cengretta. I was like, you know, it's a week before shooting. I'd like to know who wow. I'm working with. Nothing. Mm. Three, two days before I got my tickets, my train tickets to get to um, Liverpool. I look on the casting sheets and I see Adrian Brody. Look at him. And I see all the scenes that I have with him for the whole production. And then I see Luca, Matteo, 
and Alfie. I'm like, hold on a second. I said, I said, what? And I was your man, looked literally my wife in at night, yeah. going for the cast, a casting sheet and a casting call and everything. And she could see all my scenes and who am I acting opposite. So she could yeah. see that I was going to be working with Tom Hardy and Adrian Brody at the same time. I'm like, no fucking way. Oh, wow. Yes, fucking way. You're going to be working with these two guys. I, I mean, that is a heavy, <laughs> heavy scene. On the first day. On the first day. That was your first day. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. like, fuck. I could that not believe it. That is a heavy, heavy scene to be in. Like. I literally called my agent. I was like, you're not going to believe this. What? I'm actually working with Adrian Brody and Tom Hardy. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say one of the, my favorite scenes and I, I've been a, I was a fan of Peaky Blinders before and then yeah. so I couldn't I was not going to never kind of watch you in it and there's an amazing <laughs> scene where it's you Adrian Brody and the other actor I don't know the name of who plays the other family member Jake, Jake yeah, yeah and you're coming into um, uh, Liverpool the the docks right or whatever it is however yes. you're coming into the country and I think you're first through right so you come through yes. first and I was I was like man I'm not miss I'm tuning in for this I'm, I'm tuning in to see Luca I can't wait and so it's the bits where the three you know it's the scene with the three badasses are showing up from New York to sort out the Peaky Blinders yeah. and you're coming through customs yeah. and you come through with your hat kind of on or some something and then as the customs guy checks your papers you kind of lift your hat up and you give him a grin because you're just like, you're trying to put your best face forward. And it was yes. complete. I've got to say, Luca, I was so, my heart popped. It was a fucking movie star moment. <laughs> I was like, I fucking nailed that. It was like, you were, you were yeah, the, you were the you. movie. Adrian Brody's in the queue behind you. And you're like, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just brilliant. I was like, yes. Lord, you yeah. you had um you had quite a lot of fun with Adrian Brody because you quote you worked really closely with I him did. on that shoot and you two got on quite well a lot. Very you were helping well. him a lot with his Italian, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had he had a um, allegedly a Sicilian friend or you know, long distance relative right. who helped him uh, with the Italian. And I remember him reading the lines to me at the time in the hotel at night because he said to me do you, do you want to rehearse i said, like, yeah sure why not of course and i have you know some relatives who are from sicily but i'm trying to understand what kind of accent <laughs> he was doing from sicily <laughs> could not understand a single word he was saying wow not i swear to God, i could not understand so i said look i don't know really how to say this and put it out there but who's your friend i mean where's he from uh, how long has he been out of <laughs> Sicily. <laughs> Have you ever been in Sicily? Um, I said, yeah, no, no, he's Sicilian. He, you know, he, 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 he's actually there. I, I could, to this day, I still don't know what he was saying. He was saying anything. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. I didn't understand. I did not understand his <laughs> Sicilian dialect. Yeah. And what about working with Tom Hardy? What the hell is that like on a set? Well, that's the thing. So Adrian and I were rehearsing, and so he asked me to read. Alfie's lines in it too. I'm like, okay, so my lines are about two or three in this particular scene with, with them. And Alfie's line is just like a fucking huge, mm. like, you know, manuscript of yeah. lines after lines after lines. I'm like, you really want me to say all those lines? <laughs> Can you not just just say your lines? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I get cut to the chase. That was Tom Hardy's character, Alfie Solomon, mm. right? Yeah, Solomon, Solomon yeah. yeah. 
And he said, no, 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 just read all the lines so you can get me, so I can rehearse my, you know, whatever you wanted to do. I said, okay. So we went on for hours, like literally for many, many hours rehearsing. Yeah. And or, despite being a rehearser and being tedious, because obviously you had to read one's lines that you know you're not going to say the next day, but you're still, you're still excited because, you know, you're working with uh, an award-winning actor in your bedroom yeah, yeah, yeah. in Liverpool. <laughs> you're thinking, fucking hell, yeah, man, I'm going to do that, no problem. <laughs> They don't even need to pay me for yeah, this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but a bit of money would be helpful, you know. <laughs> yeah. Then afterwards, I remember we um, we we had something to eat. We had a bite. We, we chatted a little bit. And he was tired. I went to bed. He went to bed. And the following morning, was pretty up early. And we were in this room. It was, uh, you know, in Alfie Solomon's um, distillery. Because we'd been filming that whole day. The other scene prior to us meeting yeah. Solomon. We, you know, we shot all of them before uh, Tom was there with us because we knew that his time with us would have been very precious and he, he didn't have much leeway in, you know, with his schedules and availability. So we filmed all of that before and then he came and I remember there was a lot of commotion outside. The passersby was trying to get an autograph right, right. and stuff. And he, he was, he was um, a gentleman, so to speak. Yeah. He would, you know, he whenever he could, he would go and, you know, sign and, and eventually came downstairs and we filmed it <clears throat> and we filmed it for the rest of the day, literally until we, we, we filmed with, with Tom from, I remember it was around one or two in the afternoon until all the way until nine o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was a long day shoot. You know, I think it, all in all, it was around 12 hours. Wow, yeah. A whole day. And, and yeah. what do you know of his process? I mean, did you get a kind of a sense of the way he prepares <clears throat> for a role as in, and if it differs from the way you would, prepare or adrian would prepare well tom went to drama center london uh, uh to study acting and i was lucky enough to have auditioned for drama center london and to be put on a waiting list and then i decided to go my way and you know study with those people i told you but then after i finished studying with those guys i went back and uh i, I just met up with a few teachers from drama mm-hmm. center who were the faculty when Tom was, was there and they were Giles Foreman, Liana Nyquist, uh, James Camp and many others, um, including Vladimir that, that, that had teachers. So I was lucky enough to train and Christopher Fetty's to train with all these people afterwards. So I knew what kind of preparation he would have. And you can see in Tom's work mm. is always very uh, physical. Mm-hmm. He's always very, unlike Michael Fassbender, who also is very physical, who also studied from, uh, comes from Drama Center London. And so the movement will then inform his state of being inside. And so I, I knew it. And I knew what Adrian was going because I kind of studied the same technique as he uh-huh. did at first hand. So I felt, again, I felt I could be like almost, so to speak, the referee between these two because <laughs> i knew where one was standing and i knew where the other one was standing so i knew what what, what kind of technique they were going to use and obviously you don't feel like oh he's going to use this technique yeah. and he's going to that technique it's like when you see a football match and mm. both teams are so equal to each other it becomes a beautiful show to watch mm-hmm. i mean your character would have been a fish out of water in new york you're this italian american yeah. gangster now you've now you've yeah. come to england so you're, you're a fish yeah. out of water twice removed. 
And there's a lovely, there's a yeah. lovely scene where you're talking about spotted dick, which I found. Yeah. <laughs> that that was actually added in the uh, ADR. Oh, because, oh really? Yeah, I, yeah. I had to add that lines in the ADR, wow. and then there was a choice. There was a choice between that and then another one. I don't remember what it was. I remember Dave David Caffrey, oh, food. the director, said, "Can we say spotted dick as opposed to aubergine?" Because we found out that aubergines at the time were in England. I was going to yeah. say yeah, they were exotic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so we had to we had to change it. And I said I remember saying to David, but what else is historically speaking, what else is incorrect in this series? And you're really gonna have a go at me for saying aubergine. <laughs> 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 and you want to say spotted dick. <laughs> when I went to Liverpool and I was shooting Peaky Blinders, I met so many people, particularly the people who work in the distillery. I could totally relate to those guys, the real Liverpoolian, you know, and they could totally relate to me. Mm. So we, I would just chat in between takes um, whilst waiting for the camera to be set mm. and, and everything to be set and everything. And maybe Adrian was going to his trailer and Tom was just, you know, going through his lines or whatever. And I just didn't want to bother them. I would just chat to these guys because mm. I could totally... You know, it doesn't feel weird to me, you know, but it would feel weird to them because obviously their career sprung up pretty quickly when they were still young. Mm. So they they have, I mean, Adrian Brody won an Oscar when he was 21 or 22, you know, he was still relatively yeah, young. Right, yeah. And um, Tom, Tom, I think, had his breakthrough with uh, uh, A Life Backwards. What is that? Stuart, uh, A Life uh, Backwards. Mm. Do you know I was uh, I was in that movie? Oh, here we go. <laughs> I I like you, Luca. I've shared a scene with Tom Hardy. I I was in Stuart Life Backwards. I was bloody uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's hand double. Oh, that's right. You were a hand double. I remember yeah. this. Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, I was. I worked on that film, which was a BBC movie, right? That starred Tom Hardy. It was a great. It's a great it was film. A, amazing film. Great there was basically these scenes where Benedict Cumberbatch's character was drawing in a book and they became little animations. And I was the guy who was animating those uh, drawings. So in, so oh, in, the, in the first scene where Benedict Cumberbatch's character meets Tom Hardy, he draws a little thing in the book. <laughs> he draws a little <laughs> thing in the book. <laughs> That's you. And uh, yeah, it's my hand. That's amazing. And, and I, I, I don't want to say I stole the scene. It's not for me to say. <laughs> I let other people, if other did. people want to say, then it's fine. Well, didn't wasn't there at one point the uh, plan, or didn't we even make, uh, or you made a hand model showreel? I did make a hand model showreel. So yeah, this is yeah. So so I had that <laughs> clip from that movie in, and then a couple of other things I did. Yeah, you know, I could have been a, I could have could been, have a, been contender. a contender. Could have been yeah. a contender. Yeah, you'd, I think you probably are a contender. <laughs> what this is, it's a DIY cinema podcast for DIY. So, so Luca, like many actors around today, you've been kind of been you've been very proactive in generating your own material, even yeah. getting into film production. Um, yeah, is, it, is that an avenue you can see yourself going down in the future, producing that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our first uh, production was uh, Mother, which is a film that. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron uh, is AD on I was directing exactly. Yeah, fantastic. Yep. Yeah, and that was our first venture, and obviously it's. Uh, thank you guys. We can't thank you. Highly enough of all the hard starring work your lovely wife film. Juman and Miriam yeah. Margulies, yeah. right? So Miriam Margulies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So uh, that was our first venture, and I, I was very keen of encouraging my wife because she's she you know she's a prolific writer and she has a different kind of aptitude towards acting. Yeah, not only being a woman, but also with the kind of stories that she wants to tell and she wants to see. And and then and then you know we just wanted to test the water and see what it was like. And then on the back of Mother Juman, my wife managed to win a scholarship for filmmaking at the uh, LFA, London Film Academy in, in um, Kensington. Mm. And so she she wanted to further her skills as a scriptwriter and director because that's eventually the route that she wants to, mm. to do and then appear or star in her own films. And that's something that I uh, encourage because I, I think talking about minority, unless you create your own voice, you're never going to see what you want to see portray on television or be it in the cinema or, or on a theater. You know, you have to be the voice of what you want to see. I, I don't think we're there yet. You must have seen a million scripts come your way that are, that are a stereotypical view of yeah. an Italian, let's say, that you don't really want to be putting forward. And the same with Juman, um, yeah. as uh, you know, maybe, she is of British Lebanese origin, and she, she, I, she would often complain, you know, to me as well about she, she was being cast as, you know, the terrorist bomber's wife or the kind of abused, yeah. abused kind of Arabic kind of woman, terrorist, and it was or, or migrants or and some of course kind. this is like, well, this isn't even my heritage or my background. Yeah, is, exactly, because Juman went. It's funny. It's funny you said that because, for instance, my wife, she comes from. A, a, very good background, you know, kind of on the mm. upper side, middle class. And she's, she's mixed not, race too. She's, you know, she's mixed race. You know, her mom is from Lebanon yeah. and her dad is from um, uh, Somerset. So she grew up in Hampstead as well. That's where we met. We met in an acting class, you know, so we, we, we don't fit the criteria of, you know, what's, mm typically British or typically Italian, you know, we, 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 we're different people, but we're still human beings. And so just to finish on Juman, so her growing up in Hampstead and yet she has to play roles in Pashto, a language that she doesn't even speak, yeah. but yet she, in order to get roles or to work as an actor, you put on accent that are in native to your own so sometimes maybe portraying and pushing a, a, a cultural precisely. stereotype that's unhelpful yes and then and then they, they're like you know I, she used to go to lebanon when she was a kid and you know she has memories of lebanon mm -hmm. post-war yeah. and, and and then just before the two, 2007 war so she has certain types of memory and relationship to lebanon that aren't the ones that they portray in let's say Hollywood films or any film that talks right. about migrant or the Middle yeah. East, because the Middle East is a vast yeah. area on our planet. And people, when they think of the Middle East, they straight away, they think of a certain type of Middle Eastern mm -hmm. people, you know, and not, not like and even Lebanese, even in within Lebanon, there's five, six, seven distinct different kind of cultures and backgrounds. Exactly. Exactly. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY. So, Luca, we've got to ask you about um, uh, a certain... You, you mentioned him earlier on, Raging Bull. 
somebody yeah. you've worked with who I think is, you know, on everybody's bucket list <laughs> if you're an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Mr. Mr. Bobby De Niro and uh, your uh, your recent fantastic performance alongside him. Yeah. Uh, well, what can I say? I mean, he's a, he's a gentleman. I was lucky enough to be in this commercial for Warburton's. I remember uh, at the audition, they they wanted some uh, Italian American and they wanted some American accents, New York, and you know all the shebangs will go with them. And I always take that with a pinch of salt because that means they don't really know what they're looking for. Yeah. They just want to see. Mm. I've got a leather jacket, which is the one that I used in the filming. Um, and, and then I had some pants that were kind of 70s-ish. And I thought, I'm going to wear that. I think as an actor, if you can wear something already at the audition that can give a, a sense, a feel of the situation, the character, you're already, I wouldn't say halfway there, but a good way mm -hmm. there. Because yeah. then you, you make the life so much easier for the director because it's either a yes or a no, straight away. Did, did you know from the start this, this had Robert De Niro in this ad? No. We didn't. Wow. We didn't know anything. We knew that it was going to be a celebrity, but we didn't know who, who, oh, um, okay. what. So I went along, and they told us to improvise some stuff. I just didn't feel it, mm. and I came home and I said to Jamal, I said to my wife, I don't think I got this. I, I have a bad feeling. And then and, and you, you're probably thinking, Jamal, and it's all right if I don't get it because it's just a fucking bagels advert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exa exactly. That's what my, that's what Jamal said. Yeah, I don't mind. It's just a bagel advert. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't you worry know, about what it. What else can she say? Because otherwise, <laughs> forget about it. Otherwise, you, otherwise, you know, you're gonna start feeling hmm. bad. You know, I didn't get it. it was good. Money but, was but good. At what, what, at what point in the in this process do you find out that Robert De Niro is? The wait, guy? wait, wait. So, so the second time, the second time they called us in, they said we're starting to hear something like a rumor that is going to be a big American actor. So I went in for the second audition. And I remember for for uh, during my acting class or my acting training, I remember learning the monologue from Raging Bull, <clears throat> and I I always have it with me in case you know the situation arises where I, they ask me to say something with an American accent and they say oh just improvise anything I would just say right that. right it's like having you know it's like a, a musician or a singer would have mm, a song yeah. always in the back of their mind you know one two three and they can sing. As an is actor, it, is, I have is this my a monologue monologues. where where Jake Lamotta does the Marlon Brando thing in the mirror that you talked of before? Is it that what is that monologue? Is that the one you mean? No, 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 no. It's the one that he talks about entertainment. Ah, okay. Is at the very, very end. Monologue. Yeah, yeah, okay. <clears throat> when he talks about uh, Sugar Ray. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the horse. You know. Anyway, so I, I, you know, I, I always had that. Anyway, so we went into the room. We did the whole thing again, like in the first time and I thought well maybe they like what I did the first time so hopefully I'm going to do the same thing again and they may like it again you know <laughs> and then and then in the end they said okay now we want you to speak with a New York accent or New Jersey whatever and you can say anything you want so I said anything we want so they all did their own thing so I just figured now nah, I'm going to stick with my own guts. I'm going to stick with what I decided to do before I came into the room. I'm just going to stick with that. And I'm going to go on with that. I have, yeah. to, I have to commit to my choices. So I, I did the monologue. They were all on the floor laughing, man. Literally, they were all on the floor laughing because then I was improvising with Because at, the, at this time, do they know that Robert De Niro is going to be the role and then you're doing Robert De Niro? They knew, but I didn't. <laughs> 
Exactly. I so I was like, why are they laughing? They're supposed to be laughing. So I started improvising with the other two guys. So we all came on stage, one stage in the room in front of the camera. So we're all laughing and laughing. I'm thinking, <laughs> I must have got this. <laughs> I mean, come on, they're all laughing. I mean, what are they looking for? So we went out of the room and they were all like, Do you think we got it? What do you mean? They must have they must have thought we were great. I mean, they were laughing, we were in for almost an hour. And then I'm starting to think for a moment, you know, literally, it was a split second. And I said to Vincenzo, you know what? I think we might have got it. Do you know why? Because I was saying the monologue from Robert De Niro's in Raging Bull. Yeah. And I know that Robert De Niro is going to be in, in England at that the time. The penny dropped, right? Yeah. Wow. I, I said, I think we got it, guys. No, no, no. Literally within a few days, <laughs> you got the role. Amazing. It didn't tell yeah. us who was going to be in it. So I'm like, oh. So eventually we go for the for the whole process of not knowing, but imagining it's going to be Robert De Niro. For, uh, for, for listeners who haven't seen the advert, and if you haven't, I, I say seek it out on YouTube right now because... This isn't an advert where Luca's cast a, as a guy in a shop handing Robert De Niro a bagel. It's a whole recreation yeah. of Goodfellas. And I've seen the cinema like version just, of this yeah. as well, and it's like a really long it's cut. It's amazing. I mean, it's, you know, not it's amazing. 30 seconds you, you do tons of scenes with the big man himself, and it's, it yeah, must have yeah. been an incredible working relationship on the set. What's it like working with him? Yeah, well, it was, so, when, when the, it was a three, three and a half days shoot, mm and long days <clears throat> and the first day he didn't turn up because he wasn't meant to be there so it was just mainly us and the things that we do when he's not there right. then from the second days onward he was always on set he was in his trailer and that was during the time where uh one of the trump michael cove i think it was one of the trump's administrators um who was in charge of the fbi i think went against uh, yeah, 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 Trump. Yeah. Right. And he was it was called in to testify yeah. against Trump. Because De Niro's a big yeah. anti Trump. He's very he's very vocal mm. himself, isn't he? In that yeah. Point. And he was reading a book about him. Right. He was reading a book about Trump. I don't know I don't remember the title. So he had um, his PA and everything and you know you could have addressed his PA before you want to speak to him or depending on what kind of relationship you have, you could have just gone up and talked to him. But I would see that everybody's talking to the PA first. Mm. So I figured I'd, I might as well do the same. And then he was starting to chat about uh, the Trump administration. He was really mm. in, tuned in to right. it. So it, when we when we weren't shooting, he would go on, on in his trailer and follow live uh, the trial. Uh, it was just very concerned. Still is very concerned about America and the way he's uh, led by this administration. And so um, we were on set, you know, and he would come on set, and he would always be a gentleman. He, you know, he would always be very polite. He would he would ask all of us three where we're from, if we're really Italian. And then, and then he said to me, do you do this for a living? I said, well, yeah. I said, do you do this for a living? Said, Good question. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? <clears throat> I said, I don't know, because I've never seen you doing a commercial before. So you may be wrong on that, my friend. <laughs> yeah, he would, he would ask us this kind of questions. He would ask us about us, about our families. Mm -hmm. But very, um, I wouldn't say aloof, but very 
distant. Yeah. Not like you'd expect Martin yeah. Scorsese to be, yeah. you know? So you think because he works with Martin Scorsese, mm. he will be exactly the same, but no, he's not. Yeah. He's a very reserved, very shy, mm. but very polite yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, fine. So that was the second day. The third day, which was going to be pretty much his rap day. Mm. Um, we were there and again, long days, similar things, you know. So then we, we were supposed to be doing these scenes where, you know, in, in Goodfellas, you you basically, the three guys, De Niro, Joe Pesci, and uh, Ray Liotta, will have to bury the body. It was one of those iconic scenes of uh, Goodfellas, and we were supposed to recreate that, but with the yeah. bagels. <clears throat> I loved, I yeah. loved it. So, it was it was so closely yeah, done yeah. as well. It was so well I done. I know, I know. Man, I'm a big fan of that film, so I was like, blue screen and everything, and we're supposed to be doing that with, you know, with the show. Obviously, there was real soil and lots of bagels, and shoves shovels and, and 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 what have you so we were there again nobody's really breaking the ice here we're there Juman was like on, on the last day of filming she was like listen man come on he's your idol you can't not go up to him and, and just say anything you're just gonna have to find a way you're just gonna have to find a way of getting up to him and just say congratulations you've been inspiration for yeah. my life Whatever just say you, what you you've always wanted to say to, to, say to Robert De Niro right it's, Exactly. So you've got to say, because otherwise you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. It's going to be miserable. True. Well, I mean, I mean, Luca, for every actor, it's got to be, it's like we said before, it's got to be on your bucket list, right? To work with that. Yeah. yeah it's like a jizz moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, but to put it another way, point, yes. Was, okay. Well, I just say, because then you say cut and he was there. He wasn't going to go anywhere. I'm like, what kind of <laughs> so I just wanted to say, you know, you, 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 been the best inspiration for my life for many many years i've watched all of your work wow. and i supported your work in, in in everything you did and i just wanted to say if it wasn't for you i would never probably have taken this as a career wow. <laughs> and he said i don't know if this is going to be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he said no no no, no. This, this is so good you know it's, it's good for me it's good enough for me so i, I wanted to thank you and and i hope you know we're going to be able to work on bigger and better things together one day in God's yeah. will. And he said, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then, he, and then I said, do you mind if we take selfies with you? Yeah, or, yeah. or At that point, we had a big break. So the director said, hey, how about we take, everyone takes a selfie. And then he said, yeah, absolutely. So we, we stopped, we started taking, it was <laughs> yeah, selfie time yeah. for, 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 for <laughs> yeah, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> literally he wanted everybody. Yeah. He said, yeah, no, just everyone. Oh, so he said, everyone at a time. So we were all excited to take pictures with him. And I took shitloads and I sent them all to my dad. Oh, he man. was so proud. He must Amazing. have been so, so proud. Man. Man. Oh, man. Well, man. Luca, that seems like the place to kind of yeah, leave yeah. it for yeah. now. I mean, it's been such, it's such, it's been so lovely chatting to you yeah. as always. And you've been a, you've likewise, been a brilliant, likewise. brilliant guest. You've been full of such brilliant <laughs> stories about fascinating people. And you've done such great work so um we look forward to seeing what the next things are you're going to be doing man got a little part oh. uh tucked away for uh luca in routine we're uh hoping great script, great uh, script. well the thing i've written luca don't forget many years ago uh i think as we <laughs> all do from time to time in our careers we always kind of go shit when are things gonna fucking happen for me and wait way before yeah. you got your part in rush Luca, yeah. I hope you don't mind me saying this about you, but you were like, 
oh man, it's just like I've been doing audition, 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 and nothing's happening for me. And I was like, mate, I'm writing a part in the script for you. We're going to do a feature film. You're going to be in it. And now it turns out you don't fucking need my part that I've written for you. I mean, I mean this. I'm still very happy to be in the film. I mean, I mean, this wasn't. This was like three or four feature films ago, so it wasn't routine. But pretty much in every feature film script I've written, I've written a part for you because I made a promise to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, but it. But so it, the much. way your career's going, it turns out I'm gonna have to like find a lookalike. <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, I Ooh. hope so. I hope so. <laughs> and hopefully, I'll be able to be able to be a um, benefactor and invest in your oh, films. Hey. So maybe oh, on the other side. there you go. <laughs> hopefully, one day. As as an actor, what kind of things are you looking for as a director? What what kind of this might be useful for 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 indie filmmakers yeah. who are directing actors for the first time. Um, what do yeah. you kind of find unhelpful or helpful as an actor? I think what's helpful to every actor is if uh, a director understands the process of what um, what I assume every actor mm. has to go through in order to inhabit the skin mm. of its character. You know. Um, <clears throat> And and then that sometimes can be an easy walk, depending how close or how far you are from that character. You know, if it's a character that you can relate to a hundred percent, then it's going to be uh, easier. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It's going to be easier to relate to it, but then you still have to find the character because it's never going to be you. I mean, it's you playing it, but it's never going to be yeah, you yeah. being you. You know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And then there are other characters and other times where, you know, the, the journey is really, really further away from you to that character. And that it needs a director who's able to give you the mm-hmm. means to get there. Filmmaking takes a lot of time and time is always a problem when it comes to shooting certain scenes at a certain time. If you need natural light or, or whatever lighting or setting up the cameras and the rigs, it takes time. So everything is about time in filmmaking. So whenever you have that split second or moment to, to have that dialogue with the actor, it's great to yeah. to be able to have that kind of open relationship. Do you find as an actor, maybe a director who is less sympathetic or less knowledgeable of an actor's process, do you find it hard when they yeah. will say things like, it needs to be, you need to be angry in this, or you need to be yeah. more angry, yeah. you need to be more forceful, you need to be, without giving you any in between mm. well when, if i if i just started i would probably say yes to you now but then i think i'm a little bit more mature than when i first started and i think now you have your own process yeah, figured yeah, out. You, yeah. yeah and you have to be able to to dilute and take out of what they're telling you to do so you have to really um mm. interpret what yeah. they're saying and with the best of your ability, trust that what you're doing, it's right. You know, depending on what emotions you're working on, but you, you have to go to places <clears throat> you may not like, and you may have to work with people who are, may not be um, uh, emotionally open. Yeah. You know, you have to have self-esteem. If you have that, if you, if you trust yourself, and trust you commit to your choices and you trust your choices luca i feel like we've really hit on an interesting subject matter so late in the interview (laughs) we're gonna have to have you back on another podcast we're gonna have to do like a director actor relationship podcast to talk about but man i'm this has been such a fun episode so thank you so much thank you thank you 
I would like I would like to uh, to suggest maybe my wife she wants to come on yes yeah yeah podcast because she uh, she's a very uh, dynamic uh, character she you know like I was saying to you she she has a different angle mm. on the acting and being both and an actress writer, and a yeah. filmmaker uh, and a writer mm. she has she's she's more acute with things like writing your own material yeah. she can have good insight. And she's also mm. pro women, and she she's also pro a lot of things mm. about minority uh, scene today. So I think she'll be a very idea, good. Yeah. That's a good that's idea. Let, yeah. let, let's do that. We'll stick that in the diary. We'll do like a kind of director actor kind of podcast. Yeah, for that sure. Luca, nice one, Luca. Mark, Aaron, yeah. lovely to see you by Zoom. Great stuff. Thank you so much yeah. again, mate. Thank you so much Cheers, for doing man. this. Nice one. You're welcome. Big Anytime. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Cheers. You are listening to DIY. There we go. There he is. Amazing stuff. What a brilliant, brilliant interview. I mean, Luca could just kind of chat for days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, with so much uh, density of interesting and, and important information there, particularly the stuff around kind of the actor and uh, director relationship, which is really going to appeal to the DIY filmmaker who often, you know, they haven't necessarily gone the film school route. So, um, yeah. and also obviously some amazing tidbits and information about real life experiences on very big sets as well which is um yeah absolutely i think with the director actor relationship a lot of indie filmmakers come a bit unstuck where they've mm. got a vision in their mind and they are kind of passionate about lots of directors yeah uh but necessarily you know when it comes to the nuts and bolts of shooting a scene their relationship with the actors kind of falls apart on day one and i mm. think it is a very important thing to kind of bolster that build that because like like from what you know my advice to to any director doing starting out would be to make build really strong relationships with your actors wow. you know luca is a guy who i met 10 or more years ago on shorts and your actors are gonna if you cast if you cast the right actors and you cast good actors your actors are going to go on and be on amazing sets way before you are yeah and they're going to have all these you know these experiences so build these relationships, keep in contact with them because they're going to really help you out in the future. Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of young filmmakers, and I've overheard it from, from you know, uh, being in kind of um, workshops and things, a lot of uh, directors think about the result uh, that they want exactly. and they don't yeah. think about the process the, the actor has to go through. And I'll never forget mm -hmm. being on a, in a workshop. We were, we were getting the opportunity to work with real actors in, in, uh, on a script that I'd done. And um, there were various other sort of directors there with, with their scripts. And I'll never forget this director saying to the actor who was playing the part, who's doing a sort of script reading. So I said, well, this character's a bit kind of neutral so can you play it just sort of neutral and you could see the actor's face going i don't know yeah. what to do with that i mean what 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 how do i possibly play neutral and i mean uh, and you know a positive experience i've had before with actors is where you kind of feed their imagination and then you let it let them run with it so i was really interested to hear about ron howard sort of creating um scenarios for an actor to feed their mm. imagination so you feed the imagination of, of an actor what you don't say is be really happy but what you say is imagine you're a kid in a sweet shop who can kind of have anything yeah. you want. so you're feeding their imagination you're allowing them to run with that 
and then you get the result as a as a um, as an effect not telling them what the effect that you want is exactly it sounded like what ron howard was doing was not being prescriptive to the scene as on the page it was creating an atmosphere yeah. where luca and his and his and his co-star could feel very relaxed very yeah. relaxed and then they could kind of play on a base kind of suggestion that he kind of given them yeah and he, he allowed them to uh, experience an emotion or to be in it be with it be inside an emotion rather than saying give me the emotion um, and I think yeah it's often and it's very interesting kind of hearing about you know uh, Stanislavski and, and all of these because people who may not know Stanislavski sort of in a way the the um, uh, the Russian uh, kind of innovator behind you know where the method came from Okay, so guys, and don't forget to send us your uh, freaky one-minute films to the DIY Cinema Cult One Minute Film Festival. We still want your movies. We, we want we? your movies, and uh, and just I think probably the simplest thing is to post it to the Instagram or the Facebook groups, uh, yeah. or send us them privately if you feel that they're very freaky and they can't really be tolerated <laughs> in the public eye. But I think eventually everyone's gonna gonna see it. So. Um, yeah, post it, post it, post it to the uh, Instagram or to the Facebook groups, and um, you know, keep it, keep it under one minute, keep it uh, DIY, and you socially distanced, socially distanced. You know, we look forward to seeing them. See you later, listeners. See you later. Night, night. Follow us. Follow us. Follow us. on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com